0: From Miami Law, I'm Annette Ugez, and this is The Explainer.
1: And one notable aspect of this challenge is they filed their lawsuit in a district with only one judge, so they could be sure of getting that judge, and that judge was a Trump appointee, who is rather notoriously anti-abortion. And surprise, surprise, this district court judge agreed. And in an unprecedented ruling, the district court second-guessed the FDA's evidence-based judgment about this drug and declared that the FDA should never have approved this dangerous drug.
0: Welcome to Season 10 of the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. With limits to abortion measures passing in many states and the battle for medical abortion medications reaching the Supreme Court docket, on today's show, constitutional scholar Caroline Mala Corbin wades into assaults on women's rights. Good morning, Caroline. How are you?
1: I am fine. Thank you for having me back.
2: Thanks for joining us. Um, so let's talk about abortion. Uh, there was news last week about uh, the pill that causes abo- abortion. What exactly was that all about? Um, so a little background to start.
1: There are two ways to have an abortion. One is via surgery, and the other is via medicine. And the medical abortion is a two-step process. For the first step, you take mifepristone. Which was the pill that was in the news, um, and this pill works by stopping a hormone that's necessary for pregnancy. And then the next step, a day or two later, you take another medicine known as misoprostol, which causes the uterus to expel the contents. And this sort of this uh, this regime has a success rate. Of 99% or so, and it's very safe. In fact, all the leading medical groups, like the American Medical Association, have said that these pills are safe and effective. And in fact, today, about half of abortions in the United States take place via medication abortion rather than surgical abortion. So this is a safe, effective, and widespread method of ending a pregnancy in the
2: United States. In the United States and elsewhere, I assume. And
1: elsewhere, yes. I'm focusing on the law in the United States. Of
2: course, of course. (laughs) Okay, so what was the legal challenge to mifepristone?
1: Um, So a group of anti-abortion doctors challenged the FDA's approval of the medicine back in 2000, and they argued that the FDA did not follow proper procedure when it okayed the medicine for widespread use.
2: Can I just ask a question there? Um, Did they challenge the the FDA when this came in 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 2000 or is this like the first time they've gone after it?
1: Yeah, this is a a late challenge. So um, this is a challenge to the decision made Over 20 years ago. And one notable aspect of this challenge is they filed their lawsuit in a district with only one judge so they could be sure of getting that judge. And that judge was a Trump appointee who is rather notoriously anti abortion. And surprise, surprise, this district court judge agreed. And in an unprecedented ruling, The district court second-guessed the FDA's evidence-based judgment about this drug and declared that the FDA should never have approved
2: this dangerous drug. So what do you mean by unprecedented?
1: Well, this is the first time that a court has invalidated the FDA's decision to approve a drug. Um, Needless to say, the FDA took years in making its decision. It has been safely used for 20 years. Um, The facts do not support their claim at all.
2: So did this district court decision go straight to the Supreme Court?
1: So no, it did not. Um, And a a little forgive my con law instincts, my con law professor instincts uh, to just clarify that there are. Three levels of federal courts. We love
2: your con law instincts.
1: (laughs) There's the district court, uh, which has a single judge, and that's where the lawsuit started. The next level in the federal judiciary is the court of appeals. And in Texas, that's the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And at the Court of Appeals level, you have a panel of three judges. And only after you go from the Court of Appeals do you get to the U.S. Supreme Court, where we have nine justices. So the decision was first appealed to the Fifth Circuit Court of
2: Appeals. Okay, Um, so from Kismaric to the Fifth Circuit. And what did the um, Fifth Circuit say?
1: So the Fifth Circuit which is not a friend of abortion either, Um, also limited access. It did not invalidate FDA approval entirely, which is what the district court did, said they should never have approved it in the first place. The approval cannot stand. Um, The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals reversed that part of the district court's decision. So the drug is still on the market. However, the Fifth Circuit Did invalidate changes the FDA has since made to increase the availability of the drug. Things like approving a genetic or expanding the window in which it can be used from seven weeks to 10 weeks. And finally, a particularly important change the FDA had made the drug available via telemedicine appointments and mail. Rather than requiring people to see a doctor in person and pick up the medicine in person, and so those those expansions that have been approved, um, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals sort of said no, that's not appropriate.
2: Were some of those changes uh, enacted because of the pandemic? The very the
1: last one um, during the pandemic, the FDA said certain drugs, they sort of, they, they loosened restrictions for certain drugs because it was dangerous to go to places in person. And so it was more, you were more in danger from COVID than you were from this very safe medicine. So it didn't make sense to force people to go in person to see a doctor and get it.
2: All right. uh, so in the next frame of our graphic novel, um, so what did the Supreme Court do? And, and, Is that the final judgment? All right. Is that your final answer?
1: (laughs) Exactly. So it went from the district court and then the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and then the Supreme Court heard it and the Supreme Court stayed the district court decision in its entirety. Um, So the FDA approval was not struck. The expansions were not struck. So you can get the medicine, you can get it via telehealth and mail. We're basically back to where we were before the lawsuit. Um, However, for now, for now, exactly (laughs) right, because that's not the final judgment. Those were just sort of emergency appeals of the district court. So now what's going to happen is the case is going to wend its way through the courts in a more leisurely pace, and it's going to go through on sort of the, the normal process. So right now, um, the Fifth Circuit is scheduled to hear oral arguments on this case in May, and it'll consider it more thoroughly. Um, so. We have a status quo for now, um, but only until the Fifth Circuit rules on a more permanent basis.
2: Wasn't there also another lawsuit about Mephipristone? and what was it? And did the Supreme Court jump into that one as well?
1: Yeah. So there was actually a whole nother lawsuit about the um, this pill. Uh, this one, however, was filed by the AGs, the attorney generals, in seventeen states. And this was in the state of Washington. And this litigation comes from the other side. Um, and these plaintiffs were arguing that the additional restrictions the FDA had posed, on the accessibility of the pill. And they were arguing that the FDA had singled out mifepristone for sort of unnecessary and burdensome regulation because of more than sort of 20,000 drugs that the FDA has approved, only 60, including mifepristone, have these sort of additional restrictions placed on them. And the other kinds of drugs that have these additional restrictions are things like opiates, like fentanyl, right? Um, and so these make it harder to get to access the drugs. So for example, it has to be dispensed by a certified pharmacy or under the supervision of a certified prescriber. Um, And so this lawsuit was challenging these additional regulations, saying these were really politically motivated and not required by any sort of dangerous um, aspect of the drug itself, and the district court judge in Washington actually rejected this challenge to the FDA's decision making, but and, and and it did, however, order the FDA to maintain its current procedures for getting mifepristone in the seventeen states. So so what happened and, and these judge and these decisions occurred I, I think almost on the same day or within a day of each other so on the one hand you had a judge in Texas saying the FDA should never have approved the drug at all and it shouldn't be available at all and then you had a judge in Washington saying actually the drug sh- approval and availability should stay exactly as it is um, and so they seemed to conflict. And the Washington judge was actually asked to clarify the order after the Texas decision and clarify the judge did. And he reaffirmed that the FDA could not do anything to limit the access of the medicine in 17 states. Um, and so um, the Supreme Court didn't actually have anything to say about that lawsuit because it was not. That particular lawsuit was not before it, but because they eventually ended up maintaining the status quo, that was pretty much in alignment with what the Washington District Judge had wanted. So there is no clash between the Supreme Court's decision and the Washington Court's decision.
2: Well, you know, Carolyn, it is true that people are going to like their local corner boys not only to get like fentanyl and opiates, but Meth <laughs> stone, <laughs> right? Such a problem. Um, so closer to home. You know, Florida kind of a hotbed. Uh, any updates here? Um, so, yes. Not Disney related. Yes.
1: <laughs> There's always an update from Florida and it's never good. Um, Florida recently passed a law banning abortion after six weeks. But the law only goes into effect if Florida's previous law banning abortion after 15 weeks is upheld by the Florida Supreme Court, and you might think, why would there any be? Why would there ever be an issue with Florida's laws? Right? Did the Supreme Court decision over the summer say states now have the authority to decide whether or not abortion is legal within their borders? Um, that's true, but the Florida state constitution explicitly protects the right to privacy. And previous Florida Supreme Courts have held that the right to privacy includes the right to abortion. Um, in 1980, the people of Florida approved by referendum the, an amendment that put the right to privacy in the Florida Constitution. And it explicitly says right of privacy Every natural person has the right to be let alone and free from governmental intrusion into the person's private life. And with that language, it's not surprising that the Florida Supreme Court said, yes, of course, this reaches abortion. Um, And of course, the term right to privacy has been used to describe protection for abortion under Roe v. Wade. So that's pretty much the language generally used to protect abortion. And so the Florida Constitution, its right to privacy protects the right to abortion in Florida, raising questions about the constitutionality under the Florida Constitution of all these legislative attempts to ban abortion after a certain time. Um, So you might think, well, isn't this sort of a foregone conclusion? And how could the current Florida Supreme Court conclude Other than that, these laws are unconstitutional. Um, But just as the U.S. Supreme Court has gotten super conservative, so has the Florida Supreme Court. So that's where we are in Florida. We're awaiting a decision from the Florida Supreme Court about the constitutionality of the 15-week ban. And if that's constitutional, then so is the six-week ban.
0: Florida, where
2: crazy goes to flourish. Um, Anything in closing? (laughs) No. Cool.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. As always, it's a pleasure. All right. Have a great summer. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this season of The Explainer. We'll be back in August with a whole new season of Explaining. If you enjoy our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Ugez. Today's show is sponsored by the Charles C. Pappy Jr. Mucor Board, ranked number three in the U.S. For more information, visit law.miami.edu.